Welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review, the post-Royal Rumble Raw, the Raw after the Royal Rumble, when Edge has walked out as your winner of the 2021 Men's Rumble and Bianca Belair with an amazing display, but that's not really relevant to Raw because she's not bleeding on it. <laughs> but we had an, uh, a, an interesting show as we went onto the road to WrestleMania. I'm going to be going through it and, of course, talking about Edge. We are live here on YouTube and also available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. And I'm surprising myself with the level of energy I'm giving <laughs> for this intro right now, given how knackered I've been all day. It's, am- it's amazing, the magic of beer. <laughs> anyway, yeah, on the Raw after the Rumble, we are officially on the road to WrestleMania. And the question is, of course, right now, we're in that period before Elimination Chamber, before we have any matches set for Fastlane. The question is, who does Edge pick to be his champion? <laughs> I completely mucked up that sentence. Who, which cha- which, cha- cha- which champion does Edge go for? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a difficult sentence, but I'm mucking it up. <laughs> Too much energy in the intro. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, yeah, who does he pick? Does he pick Drew McIntyre? Does he pick Roman Reigns? Bianca Belair is not on Raw, so we've not seen the hype for her win yet. I'd like to say that she gets a relatively high level of hype come Friday. Of course, I don't know that speaking now on Tuesday. Fingers crossed. Uh, but the Monday Night Raw is all about Edge, and there's a chance he'll show up there as well. Just before I've come on live, Edge is on Twitter teasing that he's going to show up on NXT because he's visited his wife. Don't be a tease. <laughs> come on now, Edge. Come on. Come on. Don't be a tease. Uh, but Royal Rumble, I've given my views on the Royal Rumble. Uh, that is on the Aftershock review. If you want to go watch that video or listen to that podcast, that is uh, all available. Now, my views on that. I am one of the people who. I wouldn't say, because again, I see quite a few strong reactions to when things are booked in WWE, and I don't think I have ever had anger as one of them. I just, it's not that important. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I've had one of those weeks where life just kind of kicks you a bit, and, like, it really does remind you. It really doesn't matter. Like, yesterday, I was um, caught up in, like, genuine life stuff that I really had to handle, and... And during that period is when the argument about whether Edge should have won the Rumble because he's an older lad really kicked off. I give my opinions right in the moment. And when I say right in the moment, I mean like half four in the morning, not well articulated, not thought over. Just these are my immediate thoughts, really tired. I'm not going to be putting it well. <laughs> and my immediate thoughts at the time were like, like does he really need to win? Because I'm one of those people who is, um, again, I'm not... It's not that specifically Edge, because I personally don't mind the story of Edge coming back, Edge winning the Rumble. I feel like that's a awesome story to kind of see where he had like a career-ending injury, which at the time was said, this could have been paralysing, like that level of bad. And to see him then return, have the kind of matches he's had, uh, yes, he had the, like, the injury, but the kind of matches that he was having, and then to do a performance like this at the Rumble, for me, that's a, an awesome feel-good story. The only reason there is any knock-on effect is specifically (laughs) because we've had years of uh, uh, WWE not giving us a modern generation main event championship match in WWE. And what I mean that specifically for the men. 
So, like, for example, when it was Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, that was in the middle of the card. An amazing match, but still, middle of the card. And it wasn't, like, near the main event. The women have done it in Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte. I count that 100% as modern-day stuff. Yes, it was the outside draw of Ronda Rousey, but I felt like she cemented herself enough where it was perfectly fine. And he had two current acts in Charlotte for their Becky Lynch. For me, more than enough to count that. However, for the men, they've not had one in years and I think the last one I could think of was John Cena versus The Miz 10 years ago. I was trying to think, when was the last male, like headline male match at WrestleMania that featured two modern day guys? And it's been a decade. It's been that, and even that one had The Rock as special guest referee. <laughs> so it's it's that long ago. And that kind of, that kind of cements my point in a way. That hasn't, for me, the issue isn't specifically Edge's story. Personally, I quite like the story. I don't think the Rumble angle was done very well because it's specifically hung on Randy Orton returning. I preferred the swerve of what they did. I thought if you've got two, if you've got two choices, I don't mind the idea of it looking like Randy's going to win, then he doesn't. However, because you never, because I never bought that Randy Orton was out injured, it didn't matter. When, when he came back, it had zero reactions. Like, yeah, of course he is. Of course the final two were going to be those two. Like, it was so foreshadowed that it hurt it. As it, it was foreshadowed, but then put over was, oh my God, he's back. Because they were trying to t- convince you he was injured and out. But I never once believed it. <laughs> so for me, that really hurt the ending. I don't think it was done very well. But I still like the overall story of Edge coming back. For me, the only issue is, nothing. it's not his fault, <laughs> really. Like, even if you, people can be against him, because it's apparently exerted some creative control for it. I don't care. Like, personally, if it's a good, it doesn't matter how the story's made or comes up, a decent story's a decent story. I don't. If I get told a decent story, I don't care about the background shenanigans or anything like that. Again, I was somebody who enjoyed Game of Thrones until the final two seasons. They were the only two that it kind of fell off for me. Uh, aside from that, I was just in there, enjoying it. Didn't care about any backstage stuff or things being changed. Didn't matter. I, was being, I felt I was being told a good story. And... Personally, the Edge thing feels like a good story in Monday Night Raw. Carried it along relatively nicely for my liking. However, the only reason it's an issue for me is because, and again, it's nothing to do with the story. It's nothing to do with the story. It's not Edge's fault. It's not Drew McIntyre's fault. It's fault. It doesn't. It's not their fault. It's just that it's been a full decade since we have had two current guys in WWE be their headline match. And that's an issue. That's surely a concern that every single year you've got to bring in someone else. And I think I was saying that the closest we had to that was Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, uh, within this decade. Just because Brock Lesnar, he wasn't there 100%, but he felt it was a massive deal. He was incredibly over at the time. So there was, I guess, that. But it's been that long. Batista came in. Am I technically ruling out <laughs> with uh, Daniel Bryan, Mandy on Batista? Am I... Ruling that out because of Batista when in reality, if I'm allowed, if I've got to, if I rule out that one, have I got to rule out the women's one as well because of Ronda Rousey? I don't want to say so, no. <laughs> uh, they were both there, for, Ronda was there for a full year, Batista was there for half a year, was it? It was Rumble till whenever they did the Evolution versus Shield stuff, which was fantastic, Blue Batista, I loved all of that. <laughs> it's one of those things where after they leaned into it, I was, I was fully into Blue Batista, I loved that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, maybe I'm being harsh, yeah. Uh, but again, it's it's been like that big outside talent coming in for every single main event, and that includes 
the Miz versus John Cena because The Rock came in. Then he had the two The Rock Cenas. Then, of course, he had Batista coming in. Then Brock Lesnar. <laughs> then it stayed with Brock Lesnar for Edge. Now it's Brock Lesnar. Then it's The Undertaker. Then Goldberg. As a DSC, the problem. And now it's Edge. It's not his fault. They could, this could be a good story. It's just that I am ready for a main event featuring the current guys. And maybe that's just not what WrestleMania is anymore. And I've seen that uh, uh, put around quite a bit. Former writer at Wrestling Headlines, uh, Plan, uh, Samuel Pan, he used to always, that's one of the things that he brought up, that WrestleMania, and I guess everyone else on the right side of the pond, Maverick and Mather, like the, the WrestleMania isn't that anymore. It's not really that stage. It's something else. You always, you always get a celebrity. I mean, we've always had a celebrity match, but it feels like it's leading a bit more. You always get the veterans, the Triple H match, all of that kind of stuff always circles in. Personally, I would stick with not having a Triple H match this year as well, just as a little kind of a nod to things changing a little bit. And But you have, again, you've got Edge versus somebody. If Edge loses, and again, it's, it's again because the guy, the veteran person, often loses, like Goldberg loses to Braun Strowman, Drew, uh, Brock Lesnar losing to Drew McIntyre. It's just that there isn't the one-on-one match feature. There is no match of this generation at WrestleMania because they're always facing a former person, and it's the exact same thing again. So uh, they to be fair, they haven't built up any stars, so they bring them in anyway. It's a kind of, I guess, issue of the byproducts. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so it's a massive tangent. I'm meant to be talking about Raw, but that, as far as it kind of, as I've had to think about it and I've actually got my brain back after uh, after uh, like a day or so, and then I missed the entire discourse because again had to tackle a pretty serious issue that I um, I missed all the debate on Twitter and everything about it. Uh, today's was about Bad Bunny. I'll get to that again. Why do you, why I don't get why you'd be angry at it. <laughs> I really don't why you care so much. <laughs> I really don't get. Get it. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that segment when we get to it. <laughs> like, why would you be so angry at that segment? <laughs> like, it did its job. And it being sort of so many eyeballs. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with uh, Edge, that's. I feel like I've explained why the only reason I'm down with it. Like, when he. Again, even if just to simplify it, when he won, I personally didn't jump up in excitement or anything. And I, I just. It, it kind of. It was like the Edge Rumble. And like Christian coming back as well kind of cemented that. Awesome moment seeing them two hug in the ring. But Ed Christian being in the final four didn't excite me. At the moment Daniel Bryan got eliminated, I was like, well, Edge is winning. And to be fair, I should have been like that the moment they announced the Edge Orton thing at the start and then Orton goes out. It's like, well, we know what's happening here. <laughs> like, as soon as he leaves, like, well, he's going to come back and cost Edge at the end or, or something like that. Uh, yeah. Personally, though, it's only an issue because it's been so long since we've had a match of this generation. Uh, this generation has not had a match at WrestleMania. It's just be nice if they got one, really. Uh, I say I mean the men though, obviously, because I with the women they had Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, which was I felt like an awesome crowning moment rather than the match to cement the generation. It was like an awesome crowning moment, and last year they all got screwed. But again, the two male main events were. Vet versus uh, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, Goldberg versus Strowman. Of course, uh, of course, I'm not, I'm not down on your Strowman. Um, it's more the fact that it's Lesnar and Goldberg both entered as champions. Yeah, and we were going to get Roman Reigns versus the Fiend. I think it was the original plan before Goldberg and Saudi Arabia happened and screwed it all up. So maybe there were plans to not do that until they had their hand forced by somebody. So yes, but it's, it's still, it's still been the case. 
I'd like to see the current generation have that. And maybe this sets up next WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns. All going well, because obviously we are still in a pandemic and things and the world is not normal. However, all things going well, surely next year's the year. Because you've set, you've, if, if you build as well this next year as you did last year, then you've got it. Yeah, especially as the current crop of NXT guys coming up. I feel like they're going to get such a great reaction from Vince as well. Because it's the kind of people coming up. We've had Keith Lee, next to Damien Priest. And for me, after that, will be Karrion Cross. As in, it's a certain type of... Uh, this, that, this recent generation of NXT really excited me more because I could picture them, uh, them on the main roster doing really well. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, so yeah. But anyway, this episode of Monday Night Raw kicked off with the Royal Rumble winner Edge and the WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Personally, go with Edge versus Reigns. The, the, again, the thing that scares me the most is them running Randy Orton versus Edge at WrestleMania. Even though they hyped this as the last match, that scares me. And personally, I would leave this as the last match. Unless they like, well, we're going to give it you, but then the Fiend's costume. Ugh. So, yeah, yeah, don't run the Fiend Randy Orton before WrestleMania. And personally, I'm fine. I like that they are showing restraint, even though I'm not massively into the spooky spook <laughs> that they're ending seemingly every war on. So, yeah, even though I'm not a massive fan of that, I'm, I am a fan of them showing restraint and not bringing back Bray Wyatt too early. Uh, but I guess WWE and restraint is. A bit it is irrelevant to this opening for Monday Night Raw because I'll go through the the Edge stuff in this show and then I guess I could do the Drew McIntyre stuff because that kind of followed as well. But Drew showered Edge with respect, who, as the man once donned the ultimate opportunist, doesn't understand why he'd do that to a viable threat. And uh, I was listening to who was it? Uh, I've listened to a few <laughs> more reviews today. It was one of them. And they raised the point that, well, Goldberg was telling Drew off for not showing respect to the legends, and now Edge is telling him off for showing respect to the legends. <laughs> Obviously, the Goldberg one didn't work because Drew never, this, like, it's like the whole chunk of dialogue that never happened, and Goldberg's reacting to dialogue that was never said, <laughs> which was uh, obviously quite funny. And then they used that, they incorporated that well afterwards. Uh, but yeah, here Edge is, like, I feel like that works for me here because Edge was the ultimate opportunist. And that is how he thinks how he would react. Like, for me, it's a nice character nod. Uh, so I was perfectly good with that. Also felt good when Seamus came out uh, to question someone questioning his best friend. So, oh, setting up a little thing here. Maybe we could get a... As Edge builds up to Drew McIntyre, do we get a Seamus Edge kind of thing? Was me what I was thinking. And uh, Edge was getting the message that this is just who Drew is. Uh, but he was letting Drew know that no matter which title he chooses, which, whichever one he's going to challenge for, he's walking out of WrestleMania champion. And off the Rated R Superstar pops, and Sheamus in with the bro kick. Well, there's that gun. <laughs> so, honestly, WWE have shown restraint with the Drew Shamu friendship. Still, not a, it's not long enough for me to care about the turn, though. And maybe it was just the fact it was it wasn't done very well. And the and when it was done in the card, it just happens. And uh, but they went on a few months. They've been doing this pretty much since the draft in October. So October, November, December, January. So four months, which for WWE is showing restraint. They didn't have him be a friend because I was fully expecting friend for a month. Oh no! Well, it's Survivor Series, so maybe TLC friend for a month and a bit. 
Oh no, they didn't turn. Ah, oh, that's interesting. But no, after Rumble, yeah, they did. It's uh, for me that still wasn't long enough for me to care. And I don't know if it's AEW where I'm seeing that happen with Hangman Page and, Ke- and Kenny Omega is a fantastic kind of uh, kind of relationship gone awry, and he's seen the consequences of it. But it plays out slowly, plays out over time, and it doesn't feel. And yes, you can say what well, is going to this match, but it doesn't feel like we're just waiting for the turn. It doesn't feel like that at all. Like it doesn't even feel like there's going to be like a full on. Like when the turn happened, it wasn't on Hangman Page. It was on somebody else entirely. So it like yes, Kenny Omega turned heel, but Kenny Omega didn't turn on Hangman Page. He never did. It's like oh, I like that. <laughs> he he shunned him, but he didn't you know kick him in the face as a I've turned baddie. <laughs> like he never did that. So I uh, that's so that's over there. But in WWE. As soon as Sheamus showed up, because again, it's, there's precedent and it's different watching AEW because they have only existed a year. There isn't as much of that precedent, precedent, so we don't know as much what are their writing kinks that we'll get used to over the course of time. They're not as apparent right now. But with WWE, obviously they're super apparent. <laughs> and the moment Sheamus is like, oh, I'm your friend. Oh, hoidy hoidy hoy from Ireland. I'm your friend. <laughs> so as soon as he was saying that, immediately he's like, well, going to turn on him. And again, I expected it within a month. They didn't. Kudos. I expected it at TLC. They didn't. Kudos. I expected it on the road to Royal Rumble, so he got Sheamus back in time at the Royal Rumble. They didn't. Again, for WWE, it felt like they were showing restraint. However, be it the way it was done, or be it the timing of it, it still didn't feel like they shook off the the only reason you're telling us he's his friend is because you're setting up the match and we're just waiting for him to turn. I never believed the friendship wasn't going to result in Sheamus kicking him in the face. Uh, for me, that's a massive issue with the story or the way they've told it. Is They're currently in an uphill battle in terms of the story because I personally think the match is going to be amazing. <laughs> Sheamus has been on an absolute tear since coming to Raw where it's some of the best form of his career. Drew McIntyre, as we know, has been on absolute fire all year. Uh, done an absolutely fantastic job as champion. He was like the face of Raw and uh, their match, I feel like, is it's a sure banger <laughs> just because of the absolute form and I feel like this will, be, this will cement both of theirs amazing 2020 that's then gone into 2021. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited for the match. It's... But I feel like I would be more excited if I cared about the story, and I don't. I don't care. Because <laughs> uh, they're, they're facing an uphill battle. And that was shown later on, when they had Drew McIntyre crying. I said I, I realised I said I'd talk about Edge, but it's the shameless turn is this bit, then we get to Edge's promo later. But yes, I I don't believe Drew later with his promo. But we got Sheamus' reasons for doing it afterwards. Like, after the break, uh, Charlie walked up on Sheamus, who was like was angry at Drew, uh, essentially getting all the respect and glory. Like, he wants the championship. Like, he's been... Co- he, like, he's Sheamus. He's become Drew's friend because Drew's champion. He doesn't want to be in Drew's shadow. He wants the respect and the glory. He deserves that just as much. So he's made his declaration that he wants to be champion. He's like, yeah, I really like that. That sounds uh, really good. But but later, I wasn't as happy with the Charlie Caruso, Drew McIntyre segment later. And for me, it's a, again, it's, a, I guess, a WWE habit creeping in. But Drew McIntyre was in the interview ring. Da, 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 to the interview ring. <laughs> Charlie asked him about Shamu, uh, stating, and Charlie says, well, he's not told us the reasons why, but can you give comment on his actions? 
And I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Yes, he did. <laughs> he, he definitely bloody did. <laughs> and I was like, oh. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he said about Drew and being, he's just being referred to as Drew's friend and he wants to get respect and glory and be the champion himself and step out from the shadow and not just be known as Drew's best friend. And that's what become, he wants to become WWE champion. Continuity. <laughs> In the same episode, it's Seamus said his thing. Then Drew gives his comment. Like, was the Drew thing filmed first? And then they realised, oh, we need to fill time. Let's do this Seamus thing. But now it no longer fits. All I can say, <laughs> Charlie said, Seamus didn't give us a reason why. When he did. <laughs> it's like, it in the same show. Uh, I don't know if it's like a small thing. To, a very small detail. But again, if you want me to believe in your world, at least have continuity in the same episode. <laughs> Possibly. And I mean, to be fair, they were already facing an uphill battle given I didn't think the turn was executed particularly well in terms of getting me to care and momentum. Because as soon as he turned, it was like, yeah, of course he did. No other reaction than that. I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this match then. So when Drew is giving his serious welling up promo, he meant to believe, like, this generally is like a best friend of 20 years. Like, why do you throw that all away? Like, he generally is feeling all of that emotion brewing inside him. And I don't believe a single word but Drew is giving his all. It's nothing to do with him. <laughs> this is what kind of it's a, a thing where I kind of feel sorry sometimes for the performers of WWE, where they really are some giving it their all, and Drew is clearly doing that uh, again, doing amazing work. It's not his fault that in terms of the way that the story is panned out, I don't care. They didn't storyline wise, they didn't manage to get me to believe that Sheamus was ever not turning on him. Like, we're just waiting for it. And they never convinced me otherwise. Which, again, point to AEW. That is what I love so much about the Hammond Page, Kenny Omega thing. The entire time people talk about which person's going to turn on the other. And you've got no idea how it's going to go. And they genuinely believe their friendship. Because, uh, I think it was really excelled by the storyline with the Young Bucks. And that never happened here. Yeah, the furthest it went was Keith Lee going, he's going to turn on you, you know. That, that was it. That's the furthest it went. And again, well, I guess Miz and Martin going, he's going to turn, he's going to turn. It made it a tease at TLC. Um, and I'm, it's good that it showed restraint. It was better than a throwaway angle like Kevin Owens in The New Day. I'm going to bring that up loads. <laughs> it's better than that. That said, like, I never believed it. And this, as the storyline, it's now facing an uphill battle. Because I'm not, I'm not believing in it. As in, that's why they got us such a big deal. Not such a big deal. That's why they got such a big problem going forward now. Because from the get-go, I'm not invested. It's another one. As a fan, I'm looking forward to the match. Because I know how fantastic both workers are. And even the segments themselves could be strong. But in terms of getting me to care, they're, they're several steps back because of how this episode went. It was like the most standard, most boring way they could have possibly done the turn is what they did. And yeah, it's a shame. Again, they they showed restraint, and it's just a shame that it's the way it is, really. Yeah. Anyway, so we also in terms of the main event, we had in terms of the Royal Rumble winner in Edge, we had Randy Orton later in the show cutting a promo to camera, all serious, all angry, pissed off at Edge, having the audacity to try and main event WrestleMania, and when he tried to show him mercy. And end his career before he could get in his own way and hurt himself. Uh, tonight, he will show no mercy. He and Edge, 
in the main event tonight officially announced on the show. And like, I'm sure they hyped it up on Twitter, but this was the first time I saw it. So like, uh, but like, I was a Brit who was asleep when they were hyping it on Twitter. So, you know, mention that on the show itself wouldn't be... I liked it when they, cause they sometimes do go down the big matches they've got on the card. For me, that's a great way to do it because not everybody's on Twitter at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> to see what WWE's tweeting what matches are going to be on the show. So yeah, so when I watched it, it was like through the show they drip fed and this match is happening. But it felt like in a way of, well, you already know this, don't you? It's like, no, <laughs> no, it's the first time hearing about it. It's like, oh, they're having a match, are they? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yes, my voice starts to break. Oh, it's that great, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. But later on, we did get a promo from Edge himself. And it followed a really well-made uh, like Edge and Orton VTR promo package. Uh, time heals all... I said it when he said, Time heals all wounds. <laughs> For me, that's a spark of genius phrase to use. Like Afterwards, we cut to a uh, two-camera promo from the Royal Rumble winner himself. Try not to accidentally lisp your way into Wumble Winner. <laughs> he should be ecstatic after winning that match. But, and that, and that feeling is there. But the black cloud in the form of Randy Orton sting, sting? <laughs> that black cloud in the form of Randy Orton still hangs over him. And call him Naomi because he's got to put Orton in the rear view. <laughs> I was so impressed when I came up with that. <laughs> oh, anyway. I, didn't, I should have pointed at the camera and everything as incoming crap joke. <laughs> anyway, he's got to get closure tonight so that he can go on to WrestleMania and reclaim his championship that he never lost 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, this, this wasn't the promo to do it with, but I quite liked the augmented reality or the uh, whatever it's called being used to show the crowd and the promo. Like when crowds return, I feel like if, if they're able to do it, I feel like that's a technique which I would be fine with. I'd be fine with that. As in, the person's cutting the promo, then you have the fancy like raw graphic, and you've got the uh, video of it kind of floating around uh, via augmented reality, and then you've got the crowd behind them. For me, I, I thought it was fine in terms of like testing something new. Yeah, for me, it passed. But you've got to choose which promo to do it with. Like, boy, like, standard person being interviewed backstage. For me, that's perfectly the right one. <laughs> like, doing something like that. For a serious promo like this, for me, it's... You go, oh, a thing, what's all this? But you're meant to be focusing on the serious promo of Edge and getting into the words that he's saying. And, uh, yeah, all of that. However, for me, the, uh, yeah, the big issue there is you're then massively distracted because they've gone to the big, shiny, bright lights crowd and it's got the augmented reality thing. And that take that take for that split second, you're distracted from what Edge is saying. You're not listening to the promo. And for me, that's why you have to pick and choose. But as a test, I thought it was fine. Not the right time to do it. So that's, for me, that's the only thing to work on. I thought the thing itself was fine. It's just, you know, don't do it during serious promos when you're meant to be really concentrating on the words that are being said as the viewer. In a, in a segment in an interview where it's perfectly fine to kind of lose your concentration for a tad, like it doesn't really matter that much, this is perfect for that. However, in a one where you're meant to listen to every single word, like this Edge one, and you have to then refocus because he's in a dark lit room as well, it couldn't be any more polar opposite, kind of composition-wise. It's just, yeah, focus on that. Yeah. Uh, I've accidentally picked on a production woe. <laughs> like they never even thought of uh, how it would composite all together. Uh, any, anyway... 
Yeah, it's what, well, yeah, it's a positive wrapped in a, it's a negative wrapped in a big positive. <laughs> anyway, uh, also before we were then went on to the penultimate match of the night, we got an awesome little part where Edge was backstage and he gave kudos to Damian Priest following Priest match. I thought it was great, and immediately everybody on Twitter is saying how much that reminded them of Undertaker giving his you know, good words to John Cena, and how the show went down, how he's being trusted with a mega celebrity. From the get-go, it's like, they are going in on Priest. It's just, for the love of God, please be still this invested after three weeks. We've seen it time after time. <laughs> Maybe for three weeks or a month or so, really invested. But the month after that, nothing. So please, for the love of God, <laughs> stick with it. I feel like you're onto something. As in, the creative seems to be behind him to give him this much trust, and the fans are into it as well. So, yeah, go with it. Go with it. Fans are into him. He's a good choice to do it with, uh, Damien Priest. Uh, that's a big distraction. To put it back to the main event. Uh, Randy Orton versus Edge. And the aggression immediately on display, just like we saw at the Royal Rumble. Uh, but this time with the story of Edge being bloody knackered as Randy hit a big old rest <laughs> till the end on Sunday. Uh, so Edge was hitting signatures in his comebacks before Randy beat him back down. The Rumble winner was like going to score pins as Randy was more focused on causing him pain. Again, showing no remorse. As the match went on, obviously that swings a bit and Orton does go to try and beat him. And then becomes increasingly frustrated they can't do it. Edge the one like wanting to win and move on. Like from the start of the match, that was what he was doing. Once again, Orton wanted to inflict some pain before doing so. Uh, Orton was more unwilling to let go. I like that. I got that story from what they were telling. Like, I, yeah, I did enjoy what I saw. Edge reversing so much of Randy's big offense. Like the two so familiar that so many moves got scouted. Like the Archeo caught and driven into the execution, or Alton rolling out to the ring before Edge could try to close the match out as well. Like, both men really just so aware of each other. And uh, Randy using that rolling out the ring to lure Edge down to the outside for that announced desk backdrop. That wasn't a move that he did when Edge was, <laughs> when Edge was around, so I like that. Uh, the Viper in full control amping up for the end. Edge looked already out as he hit the Drake's DDT, uh, and after he hit that one, the close-up of him pounding the mat, getting ready to strike with the RKO, when Bliss appears on the ring post. Almost like a pre-recorded segment. <laughs> she appears on the ring post, black blood dripping from her mouth. Randy like, what? And spear from Edge. Uh, Bliss is gone and The Fiend is uh, not done with Randy yet. Of course, the question is, did Edge also see Bliss there and then use that as an opportunity? Did, was it just Randy that could see it? Otherwise, why could the, were the commentary also talking over it and seeing it? Um, again, I think that's just like a little production, little things. There's so many WWE quirks that they don't drop in terms of production, and I really feel like they need to. Um, there's like really, lots and lots of really bad habits that they haven't dropped or tweaked. Uh, again, one of them is the pace of the camera cuts and uh, just, yeah, all of that, and just layers upon layers of stuff like augmented reality for me has to be sparing and they're giving so many people augmented reality as i spend ages on the staging looking amazing but then you cover it up with a big blob <laughs> so like what's the point <laughs> uh, yeah it depends on the quality of the blob obviously they're getting better i guess it's better than it was <laughs> That's, and it's still not great a lot of them but it's better than it was they, it has improved. For me, it clearly has improved. They have got better with it. 
but it's still not my favourite thing. Uh, yeah, but still, match itself with Andy Orton and Edge was directly into it. Um, of course, it's, it's a bit weird that they're hyping this as the final match. And in the main event of Raw, I'm fine with that. Like, in terms of getting me excited for a show, I'm like, give me more main events like this I actually want to watch and I care about compared to just like exact run of momentum that we've had throughout the show. Keep that to the end. It's like, no, this felt like a bigger match and I like having that at the end of a show. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's a shame it wasn't the closing out thing and that's what scares me a bit. As during the match, they're hyping it as the final encounter between the two before they then have to move on. And because, uh, of course, Edge is the Royal Rumble winner. He's going to face one of the champions. However, because of the way it ended, you didn't get a concrete finish. If I'm right, there were like four or five, like DQ or... I think, well, yeah, DQ or shenanigans finishes on Monday Night Raw. Like, no clean finishes. Uh, or hardly any clean finishes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> But with uh, the main event one, the one that thing that it scares me a bit is what if they do do Randy Orton? Uh, do do <laughs> what if they do Randy Orton versus Edge at WrestleMania? Sometimes I do have to check myself. Like, am I an adult <laughs> when I do things like that? But yeah, Randy Orton versus Edge at WrestleMania doesn't interest me in the slightest. I get again. I think it's something that's talked about. Was either on the Royal Rumble or one of the shows I've done in the road to it? Where for me personally, even though it wasn't in front of fans, they did still tell the story. Therefore, I'm not really up for seeing the story again with Van Dyke and Edge and them closing it out, even though they would have loved to have done it in front of fans and they never got that opportunity. For me, personally, yeah, it's, a, it's the right thing to move on. Use your momentum to then put over either Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns. That's all I could think of. Uh, should, should Edge win at WrestleMania? No. <laughs> Definitely not. But... He can be, he can really can be used to put someone else over again, like Roman Reigns. I feel like he's just the perfect one to do it with. Please don't give me Randy Orton versus Edge, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, that's my, that's my one wish. <laughs> please don't give me that. Uh, but yeah, the ending it then switched gears to it all being about Randy Orton and the Fiend once again. Alexa Bliss appearing on the ring post, black blood. I assume it was black blood dripping from her mouth, and then Edge hits the spear because of that. But yeah, I just realised I didn't finish my point about the production thing at the end. When Bliss appears there, the commentators are going, oh, so, so, so weird, so strange. It's like, oh, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like in the match beforehand as well with Alexa Bliss. Because uh, earlier on, she faced Alec uh, Nikki Cross before the main event. And uh, like we got ourselves a playful lass and we didn't, we never really saw Spooky Bliss. Like uh, in the match, like Nikki Cross was completely unable to lay in much offense when facing a facing a former bestie. We got to see quite a lot of the character offense work of Bliss. It taking most of the match before Nikki Cross laid in a string of offense until she was amping up to charge when Bliss's regular theme played and she transformed into her former self. Uh, Funhouse theme again, and uh, it was back to you know the same uh, play playful Bliss that we were getting in the match. And commentaries like. Well, that's bewildering. <laughs> yeah, it is bewildering, isn't it? Yeah, it's str that's strange. <laughs> and for me, it's just like that and the ending with the blood. It's like WWE commentary, the way that they do it, means that it, it is hilariously ill-equipped to react to a mid-match magic-transforming act like this. <laughs> so, ah, uh, yeah. For me, that's... Uh, it, it's the thing that breaks these cycles. And personally, with that bit where she's dripping the blood... 
if Randy, if Edge can't see it, why can commentary? Just immediate thought. <laughs> it just instead of when you run through it, why can commentary see that? Is, is it because we can see it? Then how come Edge can't see it when they can? <laughs> it's just a little thing. And unless Edge does see it, he uses it as an opportunity, and he doesn't care because he was a like, I know he's done spooky stuff before. He's he's faced the Undertaker. He was a member of the Brood. Spooky stuff doesn't spook out Edge. You can't spook Edge. Mm. Mm. He was in Vikings. Can't spook a Viking. Probably can. <laughs> but that's a saying now, and if I keep repeating it, it'll become true. It'll become a thing. It's like, oh, did you know that Vikings couldn't scare them? Oh, really? Who told you that? British guy on the internet. <laughs> it's just true, it's true, damn it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's kind of all of my feelings on, I guess, the, I've gone thrown in the Alexa Bliss stuff as well. But yes, Seamus Drew McIntyre. I'm, I'm looking forward to the match, but I'm looking forward to the work from both guys. I'm not excited about the story in the slightest, which is kind of like a running theme in WWE right now. Apart from SmackDown, I'm in. Raw is struggling. And Raw as a whole has got an uphill battle, given how badly <laughs> the show was, as a quality was. And like, like, overall, before I go into the rundown for this show, like, overall for me, this was the best Raw in ages. That said, the most recent Raws were the worst Raws I have covered. <laughs> They're up there with the Raw Underground era. I mean, I stick with the fact that for me, Raw Underground, that era, is easily my least favourite. I've only been doing this since, uh, like, August, July. I think I'll stay with August, because <laughs> it was so late in July, I think, that it was probably August. But yeah, that the that the Raw Underground era was so bad <laughs> for me that it's going to really take something to uh, like top that, but the the two shows going into the Royal Rumble came damn close. <laughs> that I really did not like those shows. That I, personally, I thought they definitely were really bad shows. But this was a this was a great show. That like, I it was really easy to watch. I got amped for what is. It was all constantly nodding forward to things that are going to happen. No segment felt like filler, which has been a massive problem on Raw before. Uh, yes, there's the massive issue of repeat matches. Where again, with a roster that big, how are you boring me with the same repeat matches so quickly? <laughs> it's just, it's remarkable how they do that so quickly. They make me not want to see matches anymore. Like that's incredible. <laughs> They've got such a big roster. Like how? How are you burning me on matches so quickly? Like is it? <laughs> it's not that difficult. Uh, but anyway. We'll go through the card and the, uh, kind of how the show and how it built up. I feel like in a lot of segments, I have pros as well as cons in them, as in things I liked, which you can use going forward, but it had a cost. And I feel like it's a little theme on Raw this week. Thing I enjoyed, but there's a cost. <laughs> kind of right. Uh, yeah. But again, I feel like if Raw's this quality, then I'm really looking forward to SmackDown, which has easily been my favourite. Can't wait till I'm, my life is in a circumstance where I can actually cover SmackDown, because I feel like it really is... Uh, it really has become the A show in terms of how much they're pushing it and in terms of quality. Yeah, so great. So anyway, uh, so the show's first match of the night was for the United States Championship as Riddle once again took on Bobby Lee Lashes of the Hurt Business. And Riddle is the Hurt Business's latest entity they're never ending feuding with. It's just, it's, um, it's like a issue they've got <laughs> in terms of like creative wise, in terms of their stories. Yeah, I think they're a fantastic act. I think the group is uh, really well uh, put together. I love the chemistry between them all. I don't want them to fall apart at all. 
um, which makes me care a bit when they do show frailties. That said, that's because I believe WWE uh, breaks up stables as quickly as they can almost. And I'm not ready for that with the Hurt Business. I want to see this kind of little difficult period make them stronger in the long term because they're such a great stable. But they seem to move on to one from one never-ending feud to the other. Apollo Crews, Ricochet. Uh, now we're here with this. Oh, and New Day as well. And now we're here with Riddle. It's that whatever one you were on previously, that it's never-ending feuding. And facing that, that stable is facing that wrestler every single week. <laughs> it just gets to a point, I can't face anybody else. As Xavier Woods once screamed on down the microphone, where are the other tag teams? <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that said, positives. Lashley looked incredible and intense in his short spell in the Royal Rumble. And Riddle was one of the final six. So both came into this championship match with some momentum. Sorry, bro-mentum. <laughs> Am I doing that right? <laughs> uh, both lads uh, going back and forth in this match until Riddle flips to the outside and soaking in the momentum on uh, on his side until rolling Lashley in and getting locked into the hurt lock on the apron and Bobby Lee refusing to break the hold and the ref calls to the bell. No title match can finish on Raw. <laughs> You'll uh, see that run, I guess, in a way. I, I mean, the, the tag titles do. Uh, anyway, and I see a Vincent's, Vince's random edict of no wrestling during the ad break, like, in effect, like, oh, okay, like, ugh. It, often, like, last week it led to ugh, rematches and restart segments, like, immediately. I was like, that's why I didn't enjoy it the first time. For me, that's the big, massive con. It's a detriment to the show itself. <laughs> so, yay. And I don't think it stuck for the entire show. If I'm right, we did get segments happening during the ad break, then you come back and it's like the next bit of the match. Because personally, I'm fine with it. It's not an issue. But you're creating issues <laughs> by saying no wrestling during the ad break. You have to come up with so many different ways to start, stop the match, start the match, restart it. Uh, cause a DQ. Uh, oh, it's not going to finish there. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, Lashley continued to lock in the hurt lock afterwards, ragdolling Riddle around ringside as MVP pleaded with him to stop, genuinely scared of what Bobby Lashley could do. Really, really like that. Later in the show, he's on commentary for the Hurt Business's tag title defence, and he was just saying that I... That he was just pretty much just saying that, yes, you can... Like, Bobby Lashley, you can go for the man, like, and you can win the match, but you can't definitely win the, in court. They can win in the ring, but court is not... He <laughs> was like, stop, stop it. Like, MVP was genuinely scared what Bobby Lashley was going to do. And in terms of selling that, I thought MVP did a fantastic job. But then also selling that he liked it. <laughs> he liked Bobby Lashley showing that intensity. And he got that over both in that segment when Lashley was doing it, and then later in commentary uh, reinforced that as well. So, yes, MVP continuing <laughs> to be a fantastic force on Monday Night Raw. And... Yeah, like Bobby eventually dumping the man over the barricade as Porter wears a wee smile. And like Riddle after the break would sell being completely out of it. Like beaten so badly by Bobby Lashley that he cannot remember uh, even just the last little while. But it felt like they were selling that as Bobby Lashley's he's gone too far. Lashley's like, he's got to be stopped. Like, this, this is too far. Commentator's serious voice. He's gone too far. <laughs> it feels like that. But for me, the uh, kind of issue with that is Riddle's now lost all three of his matches. Technically, he won via DQ, but he's been beaten up three times in a row. 
why would I care about him getting another match? And if he wins, he's been beaten up soundly <laughs> three times in a row. Why would I care? As in if you're booking him to get beaten down. So when you come to the eventual United States Championship win, it's like he's climbed a mountain. But why Why would I believe that he deserves a title match? Is it just in terms of this kayfabe world. Why does he deserve one when he's been soundly beaten again and again and again? Surely he's got to earn his spot back, right? No, he's just he's, in, he's locked in the storyline. <laughs> so we're going to get it again next week. And that's my that's my main thing there. I, I didn't feel like this was like an MVP Bobby Lashley kind of like friction starting or anything. Because MVP liked it. <laughs> I felt like it was... Uh, I'm really enjoying seeing this intensity from Bobby Lashley. But uh, in terms of a rival... Uh, yeah, Riddle's, Riddle's not it. Again, personally, if Keith Lee's not involved in like a Drew McIntyre thing or Brock Lesnar thing at WrestleMania, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to give me Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee for the United States Championship. As in, if he, if, if Keith Lee's not being put over being in the ring with the caliber of the men I just mentioned, give him a title. Really. <laughs> if he was high, as, as if uh, WWE are as high on him as originally thought, unless he's just the latest guy to be dropped. So, yeah. Anyway, it's now time to talk about Bad Bunny. Hey, <laughs> let's talk about Bad Bunny. So, uh, as a very white Englishman who is uh, in his late 20s, I've no idea who Bad Bunny is. I, uh, yeah, again, I don't have kids, so uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not old enough to have kids who would listen to his music. I'm not young enough to listen to his, to know who he is. And I, I've fully entered that period of I know what I like. <laughs> and I, I struggle to broaden my horizons that are quite a lot but uh, that said all because I didn't know I asked who he was I found out who he was I found out he is a megastar one of the most played artists on Spotify like he, WWE getting him is a massive deal and he's a WWE fan which is like it's like win-win like he's a fantastic get for WWE and it seems like a win-win for both uh, his song Booker T has also jumped up in the Spotify charts after showing up in the Royal Rumble. Of course, Royal Rumble then trends because Bad Bunny showed up on the Royal Rumble performing Booker T and then took part in the wrestling itself. And it's like, yeah, it's it seems to be win-win for everybody. Which is why, in a most predictable way, it's like it's a running theme. A celebrity shows up on WWE TV, they get booed. And it's almost, it's like the gut reaction. And some of them played to it really well, like um, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, especially when when he got powerbombed off the stage by Kevin Owens. That was felt that felt like it should be s- such a bigger moment. <laughs> it just isn't. It's just a thing that Kevin Owens was kind of getting pushed. Then it happened, but he he didn't have a mass amount of momentum before or after it. It just kind of felt like I oh, could have really used that. I felt it was an awesome moment that doesn't feel significant, which for me sucks. <laughs> but. I still remember it fondly. <laughs> For me, that's a, an example, like a good example of referee, uh, sorry, of celebrity usage as well in WWE. And I feel like Bud Bunny is is a good example of it. And so, like, he came back in terms of somebody like me who's never listened to his music and has learnt about him this past week after they announced him on Raw, and uh, to know that he was a big megastar, uh, that I heard his music for the first time. I think, that, oh, to be fair, they played it when they announced him, but I didn't know that was his music. <laughs> but when they when they uh, pl- when he did his song, when he performed Booker T, and Booker T's there, <laughs> and in, in his GI Bro outfit, looking all serious and tense, and uh, and he's performing his song, so that somebody like me, then knows that he knows his music, know what he is, knows know what he's all about, 
Then when he enters the Rumble, everyone's on the same page. Of course, they didn't kind of get over as well, like how big a star he is. That how big a deal it is that they've got Bad Bunny, <laughs> as in that that's a that's a that's a big deal. He comes a, he comes with a massive kind of following, a fan base himself, and just look again. Look at the numbers on YouTube uh, as an example, just for how how big that is. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a big deal that he, they got him. That said, there's a lot of people <laughs> who look at that very very differently, and I don't get it. Uh, so I saw a lot of uh, complaints about the Miss TV segment with Bad Bunny being easily the worst part of the show. I don't get that. And oh, I guess with the Royal Rumble as well, like his performance saying, like, why is this on the show? Da, 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 da. Like, you saw the amount of interest in it, but it's almost like there's a world that exists outside of wrestling. Blasphemy! <laughs> it's, it's almost like, uh, like it's not the worst thing in the world to try and draw people in from outside of, the, of, a, of a really weird niche bubble. Uh, like no, you cannot come in. I, the gatekeeper, say say no to thee. Like no, no, <laughs> that's so strange. And I also saw complaints of him singing a non English song. It's like WWE is trying, is like a, trying to be an international brand. So what's wrong with trying to appeal to an international market? I am not American. <laughs> Just that's case in point. <laughs> I am not American. A lot of the writers uh, for Wrestling Headlines, not American. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting just to see that kind of... It's, I don't get it. <laughs> Personally, I really don't get why you'd be so against this when the upsides are so blatant. Uh, yeah, it's not... Uh, that again, I, I started the show by saying nothing in wrestling ever... I've never been angered by anything. For me to jump that to jump to that emotion with something like wrestling, as in obviously in terms of like the kayfabe world, the re- the writing, the creative, that kind of world, I've never been angry at a product that's been put on, and I don't think I'll ever understand that because for me wrestling's not in in the grand scheme of things. Is wrestling actually important? <laughs> like really, <laughs> really, really. Genuinely, is it worth getting angry about? Is my main thing. I can a- I can analyse it as a piece of entertainment, like I can, I can do here. I can go into way too much detail. <laughs> I can talk about my opinions on every single segment. That said, that's just critique. I'm, I'm analysing an entertainment thing. I'm going into way more detail than most people ever will. And <laughs> yeah, talk about that. But I'll never get angry at the product. I'll never show that kind of emotion. I don't get it. <laughs> and personally, just a business point. Uh, but Bad Bunny brings in so many eyeballs that it, uh, and of course he's such a big fan as well. It's a win-win for both people. <laughs> that really is. Yeah, music's not my thing, but I can clearly see how uh, big a thing it is. And to use that, to then introduce Damian Priest. There's your wrestling win. That's the, for me. That's the biggest thing. Why I question why are you still against it? If your main point is you're the hardcore wrestling person, and why is this thing on my wrestling show? Look how strongly Damien Priest has put over. He's paired with like WWE getting a really big deal in Bad Bunny. He's going to bring a lot of eyeballs. And they're having Damien Priest debut with him. There's your wrestling payoff part of that. <laughs> so, like, that, that, that is his being used to put Damien Priest over massively, giving him a huge introduction. People who, don't, uh, people who followed Bad Bunny, but not necessarily wrestling, will now know who Damien Priest is. And obviously... He looks cool as hell. <laughs> He's just absolutely amazing demeanour about him. 
And I think like him on the main roster, I said at the start of the show, this generation of NXT where it was Keith Lee, Damian Priest, Karrion Cross at the time, Dijak. <laughs> Poor Dijak. Um, but yeah, it felt like there was something about them where they should absolutely kill it on the main roster. And um, yeah, Damian Priest, for me, that is the payoff for all of this, for all the Miz and Morrison stuff interacting with Bad Bunny, for Bad Bunny's performance, for Bad Bunny being in the eyeballs. It's all being used to elevate Damian Priest. You get your wrestling win. In the end, it all leads <laughs> to a wrestling win. So I, that's, that's for me, that's the biggest reason why I don't get there are still so many people seemingly angered by it. <laughs> it's just, it's very clearly led to even like a wrestling positive as well. Not just the eyeballs. <laughs> Not just, oh, we got a big deal. It's like, no, you also elevated Damon Priest. They used it wisely. So yeah. Anyway, on the, in the Miz TV segment, Miz and Morrison put over Bad Bunny before bringing him out. That's why right, put him over before you slash him down. <laughs> Playing a recap package of last night and the two of them saying to him that clearly an apology is needed. An apology from Bad Bunny for costing them their Rumble match. <laughs> and I then loved the following efforts where they used the man's wrestling fandom against him. Uh, they could get him... A way into the WWE. That, that's his, one of his dreams, right? To be a WWE superstar. Like, all he had to do was get them a recording album. <laughs> and they give them an example. Obviously, it's awful. And, like, obviously, the lad shot them down. And Miz very quickly switched to Wrestler Fury. Oh, that's aggression. <laughs> uh, but Bunny says he only came out because a friend of his wanted to be on Miz TV. It's Damien Priest. And again, using that to then introduce Damien Priest, I felt like is a, a fantastic way. He comes in with so much momentum, so many eyeballs on him because of that. And that led into The Miz versus Damien Priest. And I can't tell you how much of a better debut this is compared to uh, what was apparently the original call-up idea of Damien Priest being Kevin Owens' lifelong best friend. <laughs> it's just like, but we already know who Kevin Owens' lifelong best friend is. You've done that on your telly. It's Sami Zayn. So I'm not going to believe this for a second. <laughs> and it's fantastic to see both Owens and Reigns raise that point <laughs> before. For me, this is... Yes, he is introduced as somebody's friend. But this is by far the superior version. Uh, but yeah, the amount of mainstream attention Priest will immediately get. Yeah, like the lad, the lad in this match was getting a nice showcase in uh, one of the first moves he did with a tope, crashing down onto both Miz and Morrison. And he got to do that little showcase before Miz got in some of his baddie offence. He's got to build the baddie offence to then cheer for Bad Bunny. <laughs> like Miz talking trash at Bad Bunny like during his string of offence was what cost him. Uh, Priest blocking a kick before going on a strike run on a, of his own. Uh, the music man saving him from some Miz chief <laughs> too. Uh, taking away the Money in the Bank briefcase before walloping Morrison with his microphone. The distraction enough for Priest to land the reckoning for the win. And nice little win for the uh, debut man. Now comes the game of will Vince get bored of him? Like The man screams that he'll do it on the main roster. So like fingers crossed and they had the interaction with Edge later, which again was so reminiscent of a certain person who became a megastar. And they've put him with a somebody who's going to bring in so many eyeballs in Bad Bunny that there's a lot of trust put into him. You don't, with somebody who is like the level that Bad Bunny is, you don't put anybody, and they've trusted Damien Priest with that. So I want to say Vince won't get bored of him 
quickly. <laughs> We've seen it before, though. Like it's just like the favourite thing of the moment. It moves on. So, yeah. But that's that's everything on uh, Bad Bunny and the Miz. After that, the Vogue Tag Team Championship with the Hurt Business versus Lucha House Party. I spent a bit too long at the start, so I am overrunning. I try name for an hour, but I am going to overrun a tad. Uh, the Raw Tag Team Championships, Hurt Business versus Lucha House Party. And the WWE standard of getting a match out of nowhere against the champions, and then next week they have a title match. It's it's WWE 101, Route 101, and it never invests me. <laughs> Especially as, as it's once again giving you the same match back to back and yeah I'm not a fan of that anyway honestly I found it difficult to believe the challenges ever had a chance uh, but the story continued with Benjamin and Alexander's heads not being in the game so that was kind of the main point of this uh, Lucha House parties Lucha things got them in the game and scored them some close falls things looking especially dire for the champions after a tope took out Shelton and Alexander's attempt to lumbar check was reversed into a roll up Splash from Dorado and Swanton from Metalik to Benjamin just making the save. Finally, the match swung. Momentum on the champ's side as Cedric amped up and Shelley made the tag. Uh, continuing to cook the two's beef as he hit the pay dirt to retain. Nearly said pay dirt, <laughs> which I feel like is the childish version of it. <laughs> but yes, he hit the pay dirt to retain. And I really liked the way Cedric sold that, where it was a mixture of, you stole my pin, but... Also, but we won as well. And it's kind of like, yes, they've got their anger, they've got their beef, there's the clashes happening, but it's what I wanted to see, where in the end, long term, it makes them stronger. That's what I want to see. Same with this Lashley, like, insane intensity starting to show as of late. If that makes the unit stronger, and there's just a different dynamics working within the group, then I'm all for it. Because I feel like it's a really strong stable. It's just got to... Dodge the WWE arrows, <laughs> trying to take them down, split them up. <laughs> like, no, don't do it. <laughs> Keep them together. Right, anyway, a sip of some cold tea. Mm. It's my fault. I made it way too close to the show. <laughs> so now I don't get tea. Yeah, anyway, the women's tag team uh, Rumble video for... Uh, when I say the Rumble video, I mean the tag team match from the Rumble. The video for that played full in twice during the show. Like, really? Okay. Like, Flo and Asuka in Gorilla, as the interview only seemingly focuses on Charlotte's arc with Lacey, uh, Asuka as champion has had nothing given to her, which sucks because she's fantastic. Uh, Flair apologises and takes full blame for what happened on Sunday. Asuka then, uh, to me, looked like she forgot her lines, like, in this second tongue, but she does her best. Like, why does everyone... For me, this is... Why does everyone have to be so strictly scripted? Example number 4,789. <laughs> like, just... Like, another case in point. But she puts the blame on Rick and Lacey, but notified Charlotte, not again. Like, in the end, they got to the point of the segment. Which was uh, Charlotte trying to apologise, raise up that it was uh, Lacey on the Royal Rumble, it's her fault. Where Asuka is like, right, like, I understand, I'll forgive you for Sunday, but don't let it happen again. Which is the, the, the point of the segment. It's just, of course, it's so strictly scripted. Like, even if it's your second tongue, you speak you're scripted no differently than <laughs> somebody like if you swap Asuka out for I don't know Peyton Royce Peyton Royce is a good guy you swap her in the line is lines are identical it's one of my main issues <laughs> WWE where it's just like oh it's just yeah you could swap out with, with dialogue you can swap out characters and it wouldn't make a difference to the actual story that's being told it sucks more because Asuka's champion now, obviously the difference being 
because I mean, obviously, this story Dave Boys would also have to be champion. <laughs> There's a lot of context that also still have to be there for this. But uh, yeah, it's the fact that Asuka is also champion. So when she says, "I'm going to have none of your crap," it, that can build over time. But this then led us into a number one contenders triple threat for the women's tag team championships. The champions were watching backstage from their 25 degree angle. <laughs> uh, but the match was Charlotte Flair and Asuka versus Manda Rosa Denny Brooke versus Lana and Naomi, who on Raw Talk donned themselves the ravishing glow. So maybe we'll see them become a bit of a team. Maybe. Uh, honestly, like, I'm honestly surprised that this wasn't a showing with Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce, like an already established team. But hey, like, we'll likely be getting to see that a fair bit over the coming weeks, so no harm holding that off. Like, I'm fully expecting to see Charlotte have to take those on. She kind of has already. So it feels like the one match they've not really, like, 100% dove into. But really, like, it's interesting seeing WWE put on a triple threat match of purely goody characters. And the whole match took place in the ring, and it seemed to flow and evolve, and I really enjoyed the match <laughs> for what it was. Like, I'd say, when I saw it, like, oh, baby faces. But it's like, oh, it's purely baby faces. Which means the match itself in the ring, I'm not expecting any shenanigans. I'm just expecting a nice fought contest, which it was. Nice and respectful, <laughs> respectable, lovely back and forth. But we're out here just waiting for Lacey Evans to come out, cosplay the match again. And, like, you could put in all the decent build you want. You could put on as strong a match as you'd like. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> and uh, in terms of matches, like, Rose and Brooke, like, for me, really are gelling more and more as a team as time goes on. Or, like, although, like, the state of the division when they're the most experienced team, and, of course, as outside of the tag division, there aren't really any singles acts either, really, on Raw. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, they've only existed for a few months, and minus one for the injury as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one. It's like, oh, they're putting them over as this really experienced team. It's like, you've been together like three months. <laughs> I don't know if I've done them as, look at this amazing experienced team in here. But yes, Asuka on form once again. Uh, the story of the champion in the game as Charlotte's distractions cost them once again. Uh, nice little touch with the Queen struggling to contain her fury as events leave her increasingly frustrated. Like, again, the match itself, I thought, was fine. Like, Rose and Brooke felt the strongest team. Flair and Asuka, the ex like, experienced singles main eventers. And Naomi and Lana, the opportunistic new faces on the scene. The ones, like, more really looking to impress. But, obviously, getting outshone tag team-wise by the other two teams. Like, Flair ran riot, nailing the natural selection. Right on cue for the woo. Woo! <laughs> out came Flair and Lacey, and Charlotte immediately just checked out of the match. For me, this immediately just brought this match right down. I thought the ending sucks because I don't. I'm not into this storyline. I don't think it's been done well the entire time. And I, I didn't immediately. I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm massively. I'm going to get invested in this, and then I feel like the way it's played out since it, I've just gone into it less and less. And for here, for me, this was the weirdest of the lot. Because out came Lacey. And maybe the Royal Rumble one was worse because I didn't watch it. I was busy baking a cookie. <laughs> a big whole cookie. And then cut into pieces and ate with the Rumble. It was amazing. That does mean I didn't see Charlotte uh, and Asuka lose the titles. <laughs> that said, the, the, the way that Lacey Evans came out and Charlotte, she just hit the natural selection. Lacey comes out and immediately she just clicks. She just zones out. Checks out of the match. Even though she had the last next to her down for a pin. <laughs> like, nope. And 
without like she tagged Asuka in and not even charging, just angry face walking to the back as Asuka looked on in angry bemusement. And it was like, she's not even running after her. She's just walking and not even like a paced walk. Like, like you're angry and pace walking. They're not just walking. Just so like I'm pissed off, casual walk back. <laughs> it's just like, that's just so strange. <laughs> it's also not good. <laughs> it's not very good. Uh, Naomi then flew in with the rear view and pinned the Raw Women's Champion. Naomi and Lana become number one contenders. And I, personally, uh, Asuka getting annoyed that they're, she's getting pinned and they're losing championships because of Charlotte Flair. But again, it's WWE's thing of pinning the champion. It's the only way to set up contenders. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, just a weird, it's a weird WWE trope where to set up a contender, you've got to pin the champion. No, you, you, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Uh, poor Asuka. Again, like, as soon as Charlotte came back, Asuka became an afterthought. An Asuka thought. Is it a thing now? Is Asuka constantly an afterthought so often that it's just the Asuka thought? Uh, poor, poor woman. <laughs> Immensely talented, an amazing champion, but has had nothing to do since becoming champion. It's not her fault. Absolutely sucks. Uh, like, I mean, personally, Lana and Naomi versus Jackson Baszler, I'm, I'm looking forward to those dynamics in that one. But I could not care less about the Evans and Flair storyline. As in Jackson Baser versus the uh, Ravishing Glow will be a fine Raw Championship match. Again, it doesn't have to be pay-per-view quality amazingness. Like, if it's on TV and I'm relatively entertained, I'll be alright with that. My bar for TV is much lower. Especially WWE TV. Like, I'm going to be fine with it. But yeah, and man, the pushing the Lacey versus Charlotte story really hard as well. Full, re- full recaps twice. <laughs> it's like, oh... Uh, It's not as bad as the big story being pushed this time last year. Cough, cough, Lashley and Lana. But it's still another one I'm finding impossible to believe in and questioning why when given the level of talent involved. It's like they're overthinking it and they've gone for soap opera storyline. I think I said this before that I've never been into the soap opera storylines and for me they feel like a product of their time. But because that's when WWE hit their peak, it's trying to relive that and cause that same level of stuff. But that said, the Lana and Bobby Lashley stuff did amazing numbers on YouTube. Folk be horny. <laughs> it did amazing numbers on YouTube. And I feel like it's going to be the same again with Lacey Evans and Flair. Personally, I've not looked at it. Unless, you, unless it's diminishing returns. Or this one's not hit the, the same vein that the Lana versus Bobby, Lana and Bobby Lashley thing did. But yeah. I mean, Bobby Lashley is... Yeah, because <laughs> so much better afterwards. And the final thing for me to talk about is something I've uh, been really looking forward to. It. I'll put him on the image, and it's the last thing. It's Carlito. <laughs> He's back. Carlito's back on more, baby. Look at him. Apples are good for you guys. Make this man the face of Granny Smith. <laughs> but Elias and Jackson Viker versus Jeff Hardy and Carlito. Uh, someone's been doing the muscle man dance. Viker uh, and Elias cutting off Hardy from tagging Carlito back in showing how well they can work as a team when they're on the same page. Uh, again, in terms of a, we've seen, in terms of us seeing characters evolve, yeah, I'm fine with that. Just, you know, be nice if they face someone who wasn't Jeff Hardy. <laughs> but it's the, it's the Hurt Business curse. Uh, but Jeff's got a little tag experience himself. Uh, in with the hot tag and runs via eventually naming the uh, singer with the backstabber does Carlito and tagged in Hardy for the Swanton Bomb. One, two, three, and the vet snags it. Uh, sorry, the vets snag it, because they're both vets. 
Carlito really not in this match much because Jeff Hardy was getting worked on for quite a while by Elias and Jackson Riker and eventually tagged him, tagged in, ran via, hit the backstabber. Like, pretty <laughs> simple stuff. But for television, the main point was, Carlito's back! Hey! But also continuing Elias, Jeff Hardy, it will never end. So, yeah. And, um, like, after the b- debates popped up again for, like, the older, older wrestlers winning. Like, for me, older wrestlers winning isn't blanket bad. Like, most stuff in WWE... Thing doesn't equal blanket bad. Like, things are way more nuanced than that. Like, <laughs> being naive if you normally do that. And like for me, this is a nice little example of that. And like Hardy gets another one over on Elias. One day their feud will end. That day is not today and it won't be next Monday either. But one day <laughs> their feud will end. Maybe in the WrestleMania Battle Royal if they can do it because it's still we are still in the middle of a pandemic. It's a risk enough as it is getting fans in. Again, well, as soon as they announce that, I'm like, based on what science <laughs> are you doing that in? Oh, Florida science. Oh, okay, that's different. <laughs> uh, really, like, really well-made Edge. Oh, I've already talked about that. I was getting all hyped to talk about Edge and for Orton. I realised, wait, no, I've already talked about that. I can, I can end the show now. <laughs> but yeah, Carlito is back. He got a nice little showcase, nothing more, really. It was fine for what it was. But for this being, like... Towards this is this is for me this is the type of segment you put on when the show is starting to wind down, but you're excited because oh Carlito awesome I get to see the big muscly apple eater <laughs> he's in incredible shape and he's back it's amazing um, yeah I'm really happy to see Carlito back and I feel like uh, turning heads for all the best reasons which is fantastic and see him see him in such incredible shape upon return as well it's just really added to that. And immediately people were like, drawing comparisons to MVP last year. And commentary were doing it during this match as well. And he got a full recap so everybody knows who he is. Because he left like a decade ago. and Because uh, again, he and uh, his brother... Was his brother was his cousin, Primo. Because they were the Colons. And they took on Miz and Martin in full circle. <laughs> that was... What was their unification match? I want to say 2009. That was that title unification match on the pre-show. And that was like Carlito's like final act before disappearing. So it's been a decade, possibly longer, surely longer. He's been gone a while, and seen him come back in such incredible shape. Yeah, he's glowed up. Double punk because he's on glow. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, me raw. It was a lot of uh, even here like woo Carlito's back, but Elias Jeff Hardy will never end. <laughs> like, ooh, woo, the a lot of women got to showcase their stuff. We saw. I've perfectly. I personally. I've, Perfectly happy and fine with Lana and Naomi. Saw some people down on it. It's like, you brought Naomi back for this? It's like, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's it's going to be a relatively enjoyable act. So I'm fine with it. And uh, But it comes with the caveat of Charlotte and Lacey Evans. And we're going to get an awesome Drew McIntyre Sheamus match. The caveat is, for me, the storyline is already on the back foot. And they're already going to struggle. And uh, yeah, I feel like Edge is going to be strong. But also, for the Edge story to be strong, you also have to be perfectly fine with the bigger point of WWE yet again going for name from the past winning to face the name of today when the names of today haven't had one like establishing match of this generation the, the men have not had one singles establishing match of this generation uh, and as time goes on that becomes for me like a bigger and bigger point uh, but I feel like there's the stuff there to build to that happening next WrestleMania because I think I said that at I think it was um, when we were looking at what matches could happen at this WrestleMania, and I was thinking, this could be the WrestleMania to set up the next one being the, you want to call it generation defining? I mean, finally, you give the whole spotlight to this generation. 
at next WrestleMania, but you use this one to set it up. That's what I'd do. And maybe that's part of why we're blasting through Sheamus McIntyre. I mean, personally, what's Drew going to be doing after WrestleMania? What's the harm in holding it off? <laughs> personally, if it's not going to be a major main storyline, what's the harm? And then personally, you can then if Drew McIntyre loses the title at WrestleMania, which I don't think he should, but he can use it, then he could have done Sheamus kicking him whilst he's down. So in terms of like a massive knock of confidence, then Sheamus turns on him. It's like, oh, that would have been tasty. Oh. The, the Hangman Page storyline is just in my head. <laughs> it's so well done. It's a fantastic example of storytelling in wrestling. Of, of pacing things out, making you care. Uh, not rushing through turns because you're, that's the story you're feeling with that person. Uh, anyway, I'm reviewing more. <laughs> but yes, overall, uh, I enjoyed this more. It blew by. And again, as I've said, even though I felt like every segment had a like asterisk, I did enjoy pretty much every segment as well. It comes in tow. Because my main point is, yes, it's enjoyment with a little asterisk, but the asterisk just depends on how much it personally would grain on you. And that does also mean, for me, every single segment has something to enjoy. Nothing felt like filler. I never felt like I was having my time wasted, which, again, has been a massive issue with Raw, especially going into the Rumble. It felt like while I was watching, none of it mattered. Way too, uh, again, it's another issue on this show as well. Way too many rematches. The same people facing the same people is a massive issue on Raw when they've got such depth in roster as well. But like overall, it was one that gets you excited. Like, it's the first show on the road to WrestleMania with the like, Royal Rumble bump as well. Like It's difficult to not get excited. So, yes. And that's that, yeah. Uh, they started to set up stories and I started to get excited to think, well, what could they do? What are they going to go with it? Who's going to be facing who? What are the matches going to be at WrestleMania? It's that season. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, that's that. Anyway, that brings me to the end of the show. Uh, I'll be alive again on Thursday with the NXT review to talk about what happens there. Does Edge show up? Does Edge show up? Do I get to use Edge shows up or Edge main event NXT and then Edge main event SmackDown? <laughs> Just use the same title on every show this week. Uh, it's like, I could do that. <laughs> Just use Edge on everything. Yeah, yeah. Is that lazy? Nah, nah. But if he does, that'll be nice continuity for a week. <laughs> anyway, I will be back on Thursday for the NXT review. And then I'm having a sleep. I'm having a good sleep. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicate. You can follow Wrestling Headlines on Twitter at Russell Headlines. It's Wrestle without a knee, followed by Headlines. Uh, I will be uh, I'm streaming on Twitch as well. If you want to catch me, that's uh, uh, on Twitch at The Implications with the second S. Follow me on Twitter at The Implications. Uh, uh, sorry, at The Damn Implicat. That's damn as in damn. Uh, Twitch is The Implications with the second S. I've also been guesting on the Wrestling Shorts Twitter stream. Uh, his latest animated uh, video is up as well. And uh, a hilarious uh, skit or two skits on or animated sketches. Let's give them a proper name. Animated sketches on the two championship matches at the Royal Rumble. Uh, highly recommend going to watch those as well. But yes, I've been guessing on his streams uh, as of late. Anyway, thank you for listening, for liking, subscribing, belling, five-starring, whatever it is you do. Uh, really just thank you for listening to me. And for some reason, uh, listening to me and caring what I say. <laughs> listened all the way to the end. Uh, just a yeah, massive thank you as always. It's I feel like I have to just check myself sometimes. I go myself and like, yeah, this, the fact that there are actual listeners and things, like, yeah, I don't take it for granted. So yeah. Anyway, also check out uh, we've had uh, Jeremy Donovan of the Keeping It Strong Style podcast has started writing for Laws of Pain. Sorry, wrestling headlines, old site name. <laughs> Eventually, I'll kick it. Uh, I've not worn my wrestling headlines t-shirt. I've gone with red for raw this uh, week. 
I've got some t-shirts in the wash. I, I've had to do stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so the uh, keep, Jamie Donovan from Keep It Strong Side podcast is uh, put his first column of writing about New Japan, and that is on the New Beginning show from Saturday. If you want to go and read that now, uh, I've not watched the Saturday show yet, so I'll get to it. But the, if you, yes, the, oh yes, there's a reason Sir Sam and I consistently bring back Jeremy to help us write, <laughs> cover different cups and things. Uh, he he uh, collabed with myself and Sir Sam on the Wrestle Kingdom preview and on the New Japan Cup last year as well. So uh, awesome to have him like officially on the team now. Yeah, check out his podcast, uh, Keep It Strong Style, and check out uh, his column as well. Yeah, there's always all the other stuff as well. You got Hustle, you got Andrew killing it as well. And the rest of us when we post. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Clive is what he'd be posting regularly as well, killing it. So anyway, I'll be back on Thursday. With that, I say thank you for everything. I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.